Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. Good to have you in here live on this Wednesday edition of the show. Derek Mason from Vanderbilt at 7.30 this morning. One hour from now, another D-Mace dissection as we go all behind the All-22. 85 will give us a couple of plays from the All-22 that stood out to him. Sean Henry from the Predators. Adam Vingan as well. So a loaded show this morning. Preds win last night 3 nothing over the Blackhawks. But what, I was watching the World Series last night. Now, I am emotionally invested in the World Series because I am financially committed uh. to the World Series. <laughs> Let's say you're financially invested. Wait, yes. which, which side were you financially invested in last night? Uh, not last night. I did not bet on the game, but I did bet the Astros uh, for the, the series. series. Right. Okay. But this will show my objectivity because I thought the Nationals got hosed last night by the umpire. So late in the game, Astros are losing 3-2. to two. It's the seventh inning, right? Seventh inning. Trey Turner hits a comebacker to the pitcher. He busts it out of the batter's box. Now, his left leg is a little bit on the grass, so he's inside to the left of the foul line on the dirt. Inside the baseline. Right leg in the dirt, left leg in the grass. But within the final few feet, as he gets closer to first base and the ball is being tossed over to the first baseman, he veers back into what I thought was a relatively safe space where I would not rule him out for interference. He touches the bag. It would have been, and the ball got past the first baseman. So it would have been second and third, Nationals, runners in scoring position, nobody out, up 3-2, chance to blow the game open. Which they did anyway. Which they ended up doing anyway. But instead, the umpire, after a lengthy review, rule him out. So now it's one out, and the guy that would have been at third has to go back to first base. And I thought the officiating was terrible. I, got, I bet on the Astros, so I'm praying that it works out in my favor. Although I think in reality, being objective, I thought the Nationals got robbed. Martinez gets tossed during the commercial break, and I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, between the umpiring, I mean, this, could have, this was a closeout game in the World Series. Then you factor in the college football officiating in the SEC, the NFL refs, I just feel like now we're, we're at an all-time low with referees and umpires. I, I, I'm really torn on this. I think we're at an all-time high of visual evidence. True. Very I, true. I think that's where we are because by the letter of the law, he's running inside the baseline. So by the letter of the law, it's it's you can't do that. So if he's, you know, if it's a judgment call and it's fifty-fifty call and he's kind of inside and he's kind of not, then I don't really have a pro- I don't think it's that big of a missed call if it's sort of a fifty-fifty judgment call, right? And if he's running inside the baseline, you can't do that. Um, and if that's something you'd call in the first inning or the second inning, then you need to call it in the seventh inning. Luckily, it didn't affect the outcome of the game. To your point, um, we can argue about. There's, this is also the same thing that's going on with the college athletes getting paid or autographs or you know a lot of different things. There's a difference between arguing about whether or not it was called correctly and whether or not the rule is good. And we could argue that this is a terrible rule and we need to change the rule and let's argue about – let's discuss that. Then we can also discuss was it implemented correctly, right? Um, and I just think we're at a place where there's 47,000 camera angles with a million people on Twitter all with an opinion about something – um and and so it's it just gets over everything over covered over analyzed like like the one that bothers me and you brought up NFL and college football the one that bothers me though is is basketball college basketball in particular where if you're dribbling a ball and you're 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 going to the rim and a guy when a guy used to knock the ball out of your hand when you were dribbling and it went out of bounds it, it was just automatically your ball right like if we're playing a pickup game 
and and I and I go right around Demace, of course, because he's got slow feet. He's never really had fast feet, and he just knocks the and he just knocks the ball out of my hand. It doesn't matter if it goes off my finger; it's going to be my ball, right? Like that's every single pickup game in America. But when you slow it down and you've got thirty six high definition cameras and you're looking at the oh, it went off his fingernail after the other guy knocked it out. I just think we're we're at a place where there's just so much analysis. We, we've I don't know what the answer is. I think we're, we've crossed over into like this. I don't know when, when a blade of grass, like the, the the out of bounds calls now in the NFL and, and in college football, where like did the heel touch? Right. Mm-hmm. It looks like his heel didn't touch or it did touch. I think Aaron Jones got called for this on Sunday night. So you think all the technology is actually working adversely for for sports fans? I think there's a point of diminishing returns. I think it's good for us, but then. It, it can get to the point where it's a little too much. No, I, I mean, I, I get it. These 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 referees and umpires live don't have the same vantage point that we do, mm-hmm. and these athletes are ridiculously quick. So it's all split second right. reactions. Right. But I, I'm at a point now where I I don't know how you'd ever implement it, and I'm, I try not to say silly, stupid things. But I would entertain the idea of robots. <laughs> well, baseball's toyed with that idea. Like um, I, I don't want, like oh, it's the human element. Screw the human element. Get it right. I mean, robots can get it wrong too, as we've seen. You know, things can happen, malfunctions, anything. It it, it can go wrong. Don't we say just, that about a robot. It'll just, take you we out. We just saw that you know a face recognition um, thing. I think one of the companies were using it was totally wrong. They were, you know, they were using this face recognition thing on um, players during a game, and the face recognition was recognizing these guys. As criminals wanted, they were wanted. What? Yes, I think it was either Microsoft. Was it was either Microsoft or it was one of the big tech companies, and they were trying out this. They're trying out this new face recognition thing for for police officers. To well, it's you huge know, in China. Yeah, and you recognize, other so I can tell. Used if, for very different reasons. If you know, if you've committed a crime or not, because the cameras pick you up on that, right. at every angle. And what was happening was they were using it during games. And they were, you know, using this face recognition on players. And then it would come back and say these guys had every warrants single, for their single, arrest. Every single arrest. <laughs> and these guys have never been in trouble in their life. So there's there's a flaw. There's flawedness to everything, whether it be a robot or obviously a human. Um, I don't think we, know, here, here's, the, here's the good. We don't need facial recognition surgery, though, to call balls and strikes. No, no, no. But surgery? My, I mean, technology. My thing is, sorry. It's if if Surgery. you are for, and not not you because you a lot of your stuff is because of gambling so you kind of like go back. But see, and forth. I, I bet on the Astros, but I thought the Nationals were being screwed. Yeah. So, but, like, it, but it, you it, want it to be called fair, yes, yes. and true. But Just get the call is, right. Is if if I am the guy, if if the Tennessee Titans, um, if Corey Davis makes a catch on the sideline and it's very close. And if the ref come back, comes back and say he caught the ball, then I, along with the rest of the Titan fans and the team, is like, yay, 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 yay. But if it comes back and say <laughs> he didn't catch the ball, then it's like, oh, man, that's, that's totally messed up. Man, they should get rid of replay. I don't, you right. can't please everybody. Right. They are doing the I – mean, listen, there are some egregious calls. I get it. There are. But this is what we've been screaming for for years. Get replay. Get replay. We need to get more science into the game. We need to get, we yep. need to do this. And now that they've had, now that they've they got it and it's getting better, 
Now we're saying no, 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 and no. That's, this is too much. No, no, no. I'm not saying. You but we, we've had we've is, had replay for a handful of years now in different sports, and it's it's evolved, and there's more stuff that's reviewable. But, but we're not going to please everybody. But we've had yeah. social media now for ten years, so I know it's it's different from quote back in the day. I just feel like over the last calendar year, it's worse than it was you two years what? ago, five years I, I, ago. Here's the, here's the I, thing: I just, I just don't know if you can definitively here's, say that. Here's the thing: it just feels like there's more no, egregious mistakes. You, you might be right. You yeah, might you be, be right. right. You might be right. But you know what? Just that's the Saints. As much <laughs> as the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA. They will see all these tweets and they will come out and say, we are trying to get better. We are getting, they love it. You know why? Because they know you ain't going nowhere. And they want that because what if they took that away and made everything perfect? Then nobody's complaining. Why do we have Twitter? Why do we have Instagram? We don't need none of that stuff because there's no platform to complain. I I, I don't think that. I don't want it perfect. Keep it like it is because now I can watch you blow a gasket. And I love it. I I don't think that the NFL, though, wants the Saints call to be wrong. No, I'm not saying that. The NFL doesn't want that kind of stuff. I'm saying that was was blatant. I'm not talking about the blatant calls, I'm talking about the 50. 50-50 ones so, where, where you're, you're going to blow a gasket because you're like, man, Ray Charles could have seen that one. And the other half And then the other half is like, yeah. oh, I love it. And the NFL sitting back and saying, oh, we love yeah. this because they're going back and forth on Twitter. I and think, we love it. I think baseball in particular because sure as hell ain't nobody watching right now. Um, yeah. that's, that's a bigger issue. Right now, nobody's watching this World Series. It's, it's one of the lowest rated World Series in Nashville history. It's one of the lowest rated World Series nationally. Um, it's just one of the, the least watched series is, is, is of, of modern World Series. Um, I think the lowest watched game ever, I think, was game like four. Um, and, and so I, I, here's my, like my stance on it is I'm willing to take the mistakes because we have so much technology, the diminishing return stuff we were talking about earlier. I'm willing to take that because I would rather have all the technology than not. So I, I, like the other question is, is tennis and soccer, World Cup and tennis, they use technology and digital information extremely well, mm-hmm. right? A tennis player can go, is it in or out? And we've got digital technology that tells us whether or not the ball was in or out, in the line or on the line or off the line. Because that's d- tennis is Same different. thing with soccer. I don't know, but, but why, why the football? Like, if you can tell me that the tennis ball going 145 miles an hour off of Roger Federer's serve, you can pinpoint to the millimeter where that ball landed, then you can tell me where the football should be freaking spotted using digital technology. Because, you know, you There's know no why, excuse for that he, not to be happening in the here's NFL. Here's the deal why. It's because if, if on second and whatever inches, and they don't get it, and in, 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 in they go back in the replay and they say, well, we're going to put it here instead of here then at least now I have two downs to get the first down. It should be easy. Relative, it should be relatively easy if it's an inch away, mm-hmm. probably less than that. In, 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 in tennis, no, you don't get a second chance because that point goes to that person. So it's to me, tennis, you can't compare tennis and how they do their sport with, say, the NFL. But you're still saying or, it's okay to be wrong. And it's not okay to be wrong. It's it's okay. Who says that they're wrong? What, what I'm saying is physically, if the call is wrong, like, again, the reason we have the World Cup technology with the soccer ball, right, mm-hmm. and the tennis ball and tennis, is that it, there is, it's, it's digitally tracked, right? It's, it's, it's tracked like the EA and Sports And if they don't track. get it right, that costs me a point. And, and, but it's right every time. So why can't the football be spotted right every time? Why do we even have to go to review on the goal line when we can digitally spot the ball through computers like we do in tennis and soccer and know 100%? And that way we know that it's crossed the plane or not. I, I, I just 
there are certain things we could do. Again, in baseball, and this is the weird one, we have we could spot the strike zone digitally through computers and get strikes and balls right every time. Baseball fan will tell you they don't want that. Well, that's what K Zone does exactly. on television. You could have the K Zone and just get I, rid of the umpire. You don't, I, I don't need the umpire. I, 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 if I'm a baseball but fan, baseball fans if I'm want a baseball fan, element. which I, I'm really not, I don't want it. I don't. And, and in football, I don't want to chip in a ball. Even though they might end up doing that anyway, I don't want to chip in a ball. To me, it's it takes away the it takes away Being the wrong. argument. <laughs> it, 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 whether it be right or wrong, because they're wrong on a lot of other stuff and they're right on a lot of other things. It just takes away the arguments that the good arguments that you can have on 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 Twitter or okay. on one of these shows. Dude, I would it trade arguments away. for the ball no. being spotted right every I time. I don't want to. I don't want to trade it because I want to see people in a good fashion go at it. Like, no, that wasn't. Yes, that yeah, was. Yeah, you definitely I don't wanna, read Twitter. I, I want to see that, man. <laughs> it's just in the NFL. I think they love it. They love it. I just want to see people argue with re- with like robot referees. Exactly. Like, I want to see co- I want to see Coach Ed Ogeron versus yeah. a, a robot referee. Robot referee. Will Muschamp against the Terminator? Who wins? Seven three seven one zero two five. We'll get calls on this if you want to jump in. I think officiating referees, umpires. I think it's at an all time low. Seven three seven one zero two five. Your calls when we come back here on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5. The game, talking about the World Series umpire blunder last night and just a larger conversation on officiating referees, umpires in sports. We see it every Saturday in the SEC. We see it in the NFL. We saw it in Major League Baseball last night. Some sports, Braden, you mentioned, they get it right, like sports like tennis. They say, you know what? We've got the computerized data. I don't care. We don't need to go to replay and let a human being interpret it. And, and and different fans in different sports feel differently, and that's okay. Baseball fans don't want, uh, you know, K zone to call balls and strikes. They want it to be human element. It's bizarre. I understand why they like it that way, but it's different. It's different. And and we'll get to the the fact that no one's watching this series either in just a minute. Seven three seven one zero two five. James next on morning drive. James, you go ahead. Good morning, guys. Hey, James. Um, so I I have two points to bring up. I agree with Derek Mason. There's always going to be, you know, official error. But when you change a rule to where you can challenge uh, pass interference, how how do you get to pick and choose when you enforce that? I think that's one thing that that they're they're doing wrong. No, I agree with you. Wait, wait, hang on, on James. One. What do you what do you mean like pick and choose when they they enforce it? What do you mean? You mean pick and choose what you can challenge and what you can't? When the coach throws the challenge flag and there's obvious pass interference on the on the TV screen, but then they come back and say that that they're not going to overturn it when you can see that there's pass interference, but it's not a critical moment, so they're not going to overturn. Well, they they have basically said that unless it is without a question, yeah, an egregious miss. They're not going to overturn. Well, the in 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 the Lions and Green Bay game, that was a pass yeah. interference, but they didn't yeah. call it. My thing is, that's one rule that the NFL. I don't recall need, what you're talking about. They, they need to uh, take away. They need to just completely. It was a reactionary thing because of what the, what the Saints went through. They need to now get rid of that whole thing because I'm cool with that. unless it's egregious, they're not going to change it, and they're not looking to change these calls no matter what. Which basically means the rule isn't a thing. Exactly. Right? So just take it out. I, I yeah. hate, man. I'm, I I'm hate with, that rule. I'm, I'm just with take you. it I'm out. With you. The the idea, all they've done 
is create another situation for people to second guess exactly. decision making. And the, the the good news is, and this is the good news for fans, the good news is, is the NFL has made it so clear that there's really not, like at least they're consistently in, implementing Not calling it. Right, they're, they're, not con- they're consistently it. not changing it for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody sort of understands that unless it's like wildly egregious and obvious, you shouldn't challenge. So as long as every coach knows the standard is pretty fair, even if the standard is and skewed way far one direction. And I think that's why challenge a few uh, of those calls. Uh, like, especially in the first couple games, yeah. where he knew something we all didn't, which is they've clearly been told, we ain't changing these mm-hmm. calls unless it's obvious, like the Saints-Rams, which actually is probably the right way to go about doing it. We like, we actually all probably agree with the NFL in, in being extremely sort of strict on changing mm-hmm. rules. If that's the way you're going to be, though, why have it? In the exactly. First place? Just, just get rid. I'm, I'm with you, Derek. Just, there's, I, I didn't like it in the first place because if you're going to start doing it for pass interference, why not? Why aren't you doing it for holding? Why aren't you doing it for anything? Else? Like, mm-hmm. like these are subjective calls that happen in the minute, you know, in the split second. I, I don't know. Like, you're going to get some PI calls wrong. You're going to get some holding calls wrong. It's just the nature of the game. Seven three seven one zero two five. CJ is next on Morning Drive. CJ, you go ahead. Uh, good morning, guys. Um, so. It was brought up earlier, you know, the different sports like tennis and soccer and how, you know, those particular situations get right all the time and why not football. But you got to look at the elements that football has compared to those different sports. When you're looking at a ball getting kicked or a ball getting hit with a racket, it's, you know, it's, it's singular where it's by itself where a ball is being carried by somebody then getting tackled by two or three other bodies. It's hard to, to, to perfect, perfectly pinpoint where that ball is going to be spotted that's why it's not going to be the same as tennis where the ball is literally getting hit and it's by itself going towards the line out of bounds so that's where you're looking at the different factors that are in in play when you're talking about football that's why it's going to be different compared to the other sports that you're looking at cj i think that's a, a fair um question to ask but again, I'm not a computer guy, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how this would work. But again, if if only the, if the only thing that was being registered by the computer system was the field and the football, I don't know. And the like, body shouldn't factor. The bodies in. aren't a factor, right. so I, I don't like. If, but if, of all the things that the are bad, sen- if the sensors are only in the ball, yeah, I know where you're about to go. I, with I this. actually think yeah. they do a pretty good job spotting no, the football. And I, I agree. I, I think spotting the football is one of the craziest art forms in all of sports. And I think the referees do a spectacular job. The only time I would love I'm, to I'm see that is on the job they do is on punts when the punts are kicked out of bounds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you never you see the like, one guy just okay, running yeah, up the like, sideline. Okay, like, when is he going to stop? When is he going to stop? When is he going to stop? Oh, okay, he stopped. Like, how did he know? And it then he goes two yards too. Yeah. he goes two yards too far, and then he looks at his other buddy. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to come back this way." It's like, how did you figure that out? Like, <laughs> they, that's the only time I would love to see. Yeah. That inside of a ball yeah. to say, okay, I know exactly where but, it went. But out. look at the Tennessee South Carolina game. How many yep. times were there was there a review around the goal line, and we weren't kind of a hundred percent sure? Like I thought I knew on each one of those calls what it was supposed to be, but like mm-hmm. I don't know officially. Well, if you have a plane and a digitally you know tracked football on a digitally tracked field, and the players don't have any sensors inside their bodies at all, I don't know why the football wouldn't be picked up by the. Again, I'm not a I'm not a robotics computer guy here, so I just I'm just. You know, I see a tennis ball going 150 miles an hour, and we can pinpoint it to the millimeter, mm-hmm. and a soccer ball to the millimeter with a bunch of bodies around it. I don't know why we can't figure out where the football. Now, to your point, it's also not something that we necessarily need. I right. think they do a pretty good job. Seven three seven one zero two five. Cody, next on Morning Drive. Cody, you go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So, my question, I know you guys are talking about football flags and penalties. 
Um, last night's game in the World Series with Turner being called out at first base, I've played baseball all my life, and I just got confused by the call. Can I hang up and listen to you guys explain what they called and why? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Cody, they, they called him for interference, and when he busted it out of the box, he clearly looked like he was Inside violating the, the rule. Yeah. But the last few feet, he veered back into the correct path to the point where I don't know what else he could have done other than tiptoe down the line and just barely well, graze I, I, well, the if, edge of the base. But if you're not allowed it, to yeah. run inside the baseline, you're not allowed to run but inside the baseline. It, I guess it's the it's so. the initial. It's the it's like the cause and effect thing. But they're calling you, him out for interference with the ball, which is at the end of the run where I, he was but, back in the but correct but path. But what's the rule, what's yeah, the rule book a, say? But the thing is, you know? is that it, it's, it's all a cause and effect. If you didn't do this, then that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Well, they feel like if you hadn't run outside of the started outside of the baseline you wouldn't be that's, there in the yeah, first exactly place. you wouldn't yeah. be there in the first place that's yeah. where you went wrong even though it toward the end he started to get back in well he's yeah. already messed up because you went outside the baseline the good news is it didn't affect the outcome of the game yeah like if the astros had won last night i think this is a much bigger story oh yeah because they're world champions they're the world champions yeah. and we're going wait a second the, the, this was a bad this was a questionable call let's let's say um i i, I don't know there, there's there's uh, this World Series is it, I I've enjoyed it because it's the first time and I believe in history that every road team has won every game. Um, we're, we're, we have a game seven. There, there's a lot to like about this, right? You got Grinky and Scherzer going tonight for a winner take all World Series in the final game of a season. Like it's as if you're a baseball fan, you're all over this. So the problem is is that the country's not paying attention. They're not watching. All they care about is two chicks behind home plate and game. Game number four, or whatever it was, game five. Which we, we will get to that story as well coming up in a little bit. Uh, a lot of people on hold to talk about the officiating. Guys, we can't get to all the calls right now. Derek Mason, head coach of Vanderbilt, is going to join us. We'll try to get back into this conversation in the 9 o'clock hour if you want to jump back in, uh, if you're still around. So apologies for that. But Derek Mason is coming up next. But right now, got to tell you about my buddies at Twisted Tea. When you unwind... You need to unwind with the twist. Twisted Tea Original is the one that got the last tailgate party going. A hard iced tea that made uh, real brewing tea become even popular. Twisted Tea Original is refreshing, smooth, delicious. And, of course, it's a little twisted. Twisted Tea, half and half the hard iced tea with lemonade flavor. And if you like lemonade, the Twisted Tea half and half is for you. It combines classic flavors of iced tea and lemonade with just a little kick. Twisted Tea has a 5% alcohol by volume with no carbonation. It is a flavorful, refreshing alternative to premium light beer. So sit back, enjoy, watch some bad officiating, and take in some good Twisted Tea. It is Morning Drive, 733 live here on a Wednesday edition of the show. Derek Mason, head coach of Vanderbilt, will join us coming up in just a moment. As that, Is that the best Marvin Gaye song of all time? Um... I don't know. I think that's a hot take by me. Uh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite Marvin Gaye song of all time. Marvin Gaye power rankings tomorrow. Number one. That's my number one. <laughs> I know there's a lot of bigger. There's bigger hits out there, right? Let's get it on. Whatever. But like that one right there. We could do a list. We haven't done a list in a long time. I love lists. M- Marvin Gaye uh, mock draft. Yes, I like that. Not Rudy Gay. Not Marvin Bagley. But Marvin Gaye. You like that? No, actually, I don't. <laughs> Not Marvin, Mar- Marvin, Marvis, Marvin Hagler. Mar- Marvel and Mar- Marvelous. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. <laughs> <laughs> Not Marvin Harrison. Oh, that's such, oh a good, that's such a good song. All right, so here's what we got coming up. One hour from now, Sean Henry, Nashville Predator CEO and President, will join us at 8.30. Uh, we've got Stick to Sports coming up at 8.45, a loaded 8 o'clock hour, which will include another installment of the D-Mace Dissection 
as our boy Derek Mason will go behind the All-22. And then also Adam Vingan is going to join us at 9.30 this morning. The head coach of Vanderbilt is with us right now, Coach Derek Mason. Coach, good morning. How are you? Good morning, man. I, by the way, man, sorry I missed the Marvin Gaye, but that's okay. Thank you for throwing it on anyway. <laughs> no, no problem. We knew you were coming on. We put a little Marvin on, and it'd be go time. Your, your favorite Marvin Gaye song is what? Uh, let's get it on. Exactly. Simple man. I like it. <laughs> so, the, so, so how was the bye week, Coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did, did you enjoy the bye week? Did you get, get away for a little bit? How'd you, uh, how'd you take in the week off? Uh, you know what, man? It was about work. Um, you know, we, we got back, uh, man, we... We had we had two good days. I mean, we had a, a, a strong Tuesday, a strong Wednesday, um, and we gave these guys Thursday, Friday, you know, Saturday off, and then we came back on Sunday um, and then practiced. Um, and it, it was a 65 minute practice, but it was you know geared towards South Carolina special teams um, and, and and some offense and some defense. Um, it was good work. Put these guys in in pads. These guys responded well. Came back yesterday. Had, had a had a good day. Uh, and 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 now we're sitting on Wednesday, which is, you know, wild out Wednesday. It's a work day. Let's get it, Derek. You said you you just mentioned South Carolina and special teams in the same sentence. That certainly was a major problem for South Carolina last week against Tennessee, as they capitalized on t- and scored two touchdowns. Do, do you see? You know, when you scout a team, special teams is always sort of forgotten amongst fans in, in particular. Um, do you see huge opportunities in a, in the special teams very often, or is that something that maybe just presented itself because South Carolina just had a few big mistakes? I think I, I, I think special teams is always a huge part of what uh, you know. Like we as coaches, you know, maybe try to you know, prep for. I I know. Uh, you know, my coach Muschamp has probably you know been looking at the film and 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 you know emphasizing you know special teams this week i mean it's always got to be an emphasis but you know what happens in ball games sometimes uh is, is that is that guys let down their guard and and that's that's when special teams can change games uh you know obviously to have a punt block uh i mean a punt blocked a, a punt returned uh, that that's not necessarily what you're looking for and what that comes down to time, at, at times is a guy you know, just letting down in protection, or I mean, a guy, a guy not staying in his lane properly, uh, and not and not closing to the ball carrier. Because when you watch the punt return, the punt return came right down the middle, and and most of the time that's not where you want a punt returner to go, because that's the fastest way to the end zone is a straight line. So, you know, I, I'm sure they're working on it because I know we're detailing it, and you know, if they give us an opportunity in special teams, we're going to take it. Now, coach, you you guys have played seven games, so roughly just beyond the half point mark yeah. um, with your team. You had a bye, which is which is good um, at the half point mark because now you can get guys healthy. Uh, what are what have you seen from your team? Because typically this time of year, you either see a team get rejuvenated and they're ready to go and they're ready to, you know, this last half of the season they want to play it even better than they did the first half. Um, or you see a team that's just dead tired and it's like, man, how can I get these guys going? What have you seen from your team in particular? Or I'm sure they're more so on the, hey, we're rejuvenated, we're ready to go. Right. I I, I would agree with that assessment. I, I think, you know, getting getting the win versus Missouri heading into the bye was huge. You know, a lot of times, man, you want to keep that momentum going um, and instead of having a bye. But you know what? The bye came at the right time. You know, I mean, we had some guys injured, uh, obviously. You know, like our quarterback, 
you know, Memo Hassan was injured in that ball game, and we need. We, I mean, Kenny Abair was injured in that ball game. We we needed to, you know, heal up a little bit. And I thought, you know, that's what the bye gave us time to do. But you also want to keep your edge. Um, you know, in this day and age, you're you're trying to talk about repeatability and make sure, man, that you guys understand, you know, how we got the win, how we got there, what did it take? And so, I mean, it's a constant reminder for us as coaches that that that. You know, there there is a formula, you know, I mean, to what you're trying to do. But you got to make sure, too, I mean, that you just continue to uh, encourage, motivate, and fine-tune exactly where you're at. I think these guys are rested. I think that's what we've seen in terms of their legs coming back. we just got to make sure now, you know, like we can become a one-take team. You know, man, I mean, you can't you – can, you can – you can make a, a mistake and then we get it adjusted, but we can't have many mistakes. And that's, that's what I want from this team going, going forward. We've got to be a one-take team. Coach, I think a lot of people on the outside look at South Carolina and they talk about Ryan Holinsky and his story, but I want to go to the other side of the ball. That South Carolina defensive line is very talented. Kinlaw is an absolute can't miss, I think, as an NFL prospect. Uh, how, how do you go about protecting the quarterback this week, establishing the run, when you have a South Carolina defensive front led by Kinlaw that is just so talented? Yeah, you you know, you look at their guys up front, I mean, man, they've got three NFL guys on that front. You know, Wanham, um, I mean, has been outstanding as well. But Ken Law is, is, is you know, I mean, a, man, a man amongst boys when you watch him play. I mean, he's he's powerful, he's long. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have to try to put hands on him, uh, uh, you know, two sets of hands on him, not one. Um, and we're going to have to try to, you know, I mean, find ways, because he is disruptive in the run game. But we – We've got to do some things to him. I mean, you know, some trap blocks, uh, you know, maybe, you know, some some back blocks, you know, some double teams, you know, here and there in the pass game. We've got to find ways to, to, to sort of run at him and, and, and when the ball is away from him because he can be so disruptive, uh, you know, and find opportunities to chip him too. I mean, that that's sort of what has to happen with those types of guys. They demand uh, or, or command attention. And, you know, I mean, for us, we understand that this front's going to, you know, I'm gonna attack us. You know, in the run game, and they're gonna present some problems in the pass game. We just gotta make sure we keep we keep our quarterback upright, and, and we continue to you know stick to our plan. No matter what they do, man, we still gotta stick with what our plan is. We just gotta find creative ways to do it. Now, Coach, I would you know, I mean, obviously, you've been on this station. You've come on every week, and you've answered the tough questions um, that we've thrown at you, and you've been great about it. Obviously, we got, I got to ask the question. Um, it's hard to, you know, when when dealing with your student athletes, it's hard to kind of keep them off of social media and and keep that circle around him, them so they don't hear the negative noise. Right. Obviously, there's stories coming out about you and the coaching staff. How do you, you know, kind of keep yourself isolated from stuff like that? <laughs> you know, but the biggest thing is, man. I, I, I got a, I got a man upstairs. This man, man, that's on my side. I, mm-hmm. I put my faith in that, and and really, at the end of the day, I'm charged to lead young men. So I, I, I don't pay attention to that. I mean, I've always been able to try to, you know, like sort of maintain my focus and be where my feet are. And 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 in doing that, I don't have time to worry about the outside when 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 I'm responsible for, you know, like a hundred. Ten young men and, and, and their mm-hmm. parents expect me to take care of the things that that these young men do every day. So I think you know, like with that responsibility, it makes it easy for me, and I'm truthful mm-hmm. and transparent with my team. I think that's that's 
that's what a lot of coaches don't do nowadays. You know, like coaches don't want to be transparent. Hey, listen, if it's out there, you know what you do? I mean, if somebody tells me something, because I don't read a whole lot, mm-hmm. somebody tells me something, I just I just address it with my team so that they know and understand, you know, exactly where we're at and where I'm coming from. And you know what? I mean, a lot of time, man, you can alleviate the, the, the pink elephant in the room. All you do is speak to the truth, and then these guys continue to ride, and that's what we're going to do. Coach, always a pleasure. Best of luck this week against South Carolina. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday. Hey, let's anchor down. Let's you got it. Thanks, Derek Coach. Mason, yep. head coach of Vandy. The door is about a 15-point road dog in Columbia this week. Well, UT was a what? Four-point four underdog at home. Yeah, at home. Uh, so that would have made them, what, if they're on a row over it would have a been touchdown? A ten, it would have been like a 10-point yeah. line, which is insane, considering they won by 20. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it can be done. If they play the way they played against Missouri, yeah. then I think they win. But if they go back to playing the way that they played prior to the Missouri game, yep. it's not going to be a good outcome. So hopefully the, the bye week has helped them rejuvenate, got them healthy, and, and South, now they can make a push run. South Carolina is better than UNLV. Yeah. <laughs> and they're playing in their own stadium. So uh, I do wonder, yeah. though, if they would have got South Carolina last week instead of the bye, just how different it would be. Like, is, Does I, this kill the momentum? Yeah, you get healthy, but do you lose some of that no, I think, confidence? I, I, no, not not coming not when you're two and five, right? If you if you pick, if you pick up a win as a twenty point underdog, I think you're okay going into the bye week. I think you're fine with the bye, especially when he talked about his quarterback being. You know, if, if Mo Asan is hurt and he's not ready to play, and now he is, I, I think you take that chance. South Carolina also, by the way, took some lumps mm-hmm. and put some bad stuff on film for for Coach Mason to look at against Tennessee. So. I think there's there's just as many advantages as there are disadvantages, probably. Speaking of college football time for silly underdogs, you pick three college football underdogs. Maybe you take Vanderbilt plus 15. They do you think will win outright this Saturday. Weekly winners, how about this week? You're going to get a pair of tickets to the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl at Nissan Stadium on Monday, December the 30th. Always a pretty entertaining bowl game, so hit up the GameNational.com or the ESPN Game National mobile app. And play today, Silly Underdog Picks, brought to you by the Volunteer Hose and Gasket. One piece of information on college football, and then also domination against a rival. That's next on Morning Drive. 748 Morning Drive rolling on live here on a Wednesday edition of the show. D-Mace dissection coming up in 12 minutes. So a piece of information yesterday coming out in the world of college football. I think we as a show... I think a lot of people in the city that are certainly hardcore college football fans in the college football nation has been looking forward to Alabama LSU due to the developments largely of LSU becoming so ridiculously good and modernized on offense this year. Boys, the line was released yesterday. (laughs) Alabama, an eight-point favorite at home against LSU, and quickly it dropped to six and a half. Uh, I'm I'll, surprised that's not a pick I'll take LSU minus the eight or plus the eight, please. Yeah, yeah I already did. Give case, me that. I'm taking LSU. Give me that. I, I don't. I don't understand. That is a huge six points. Is big. LSU's defense isn't very good. I know, but Alabama's defense. That, yeah. I mean, it's going to be forty-one thirty-eight. Yeah. If I want to, I will pick the over under. Well, yeah. of course, 70, that's what you do every you know, Friday. Seventy-seven <laughs> points. I would pick the what over. What is the actual? Do you see what's the actual? They total? They, they they don't have a total yet. Probably because they don't know about Tua. Well, and that's the thing. Like They know that that's the number that's going to get hit the hardest, right? Everyone's going to take the over. Mm-hmm. They can't set it high enough for me not to bet it. From, from a total standpoint? From a total standpoint. There's not a number where you nope. take the under. I'm taking the over. It's like a Big 12 game. If I said 82 points, would you take the under? Yes. <laughs> so there, there we just, found the number. I'm looking at LSU and what they were able to do against a Florida defense. Yeah. And they struggled 
against, you know, Auburn. I think a lot of that really had to do with the weather. Auburn's um, really good. And Auburn's defense. defense is really, really good. Auburn's defense is better than Alabama's. Their defensive line is um, nasty. And they still were able to put up points. They didn't, you know, they didn't score 40, 30, 40 points, but they were able to put up points. They should have had more points than what they had. They were down there enough times. Um, but against Alabama, I think they're going to be able to put up points, man. I just, I, I think so, too. I, to me, right now, I'm not saying who's going to be the better, you know, pro or whatnot. Well, I think I think ultimately this draft in this draft alone, I think Joe Burrow's going to be the better pro. Um, Ooh, but I think Joe Burrow has been the better quarterback than any. Not to say he's better by a, a huge margin because yeah. he's not. Because yeah. all these quarterbacks are so close, yeah. it's pathetic. But I think he's been the he just looks like he has under any circumstance every circumstance he has total command of what's going on that's he good, looks like a pro quarterback playing in the college level that's a good way to describe it there's not a moment that he doesn't feel like he knows what he's doing exactly um and so here's what's interesting about lsu versus bama in general lsu has trailed in the third quarter at home twice mm-hmm. so you could argue that's a bad thing that their defense has given up points and that they've been trailing, right? To both Florida and Auburn, they were trailing midway through the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Losing at home. You also have to then argue, well, they've been in, they're battle-tested. They've been in battles, and they've come back and won relatively easily. They covered the spread against Florida. They won by 14. Mm-hmm. They were down 28-21, and they rattled off three straight touchdowns to win the game. And then, of course, against Auburn, they were basically up 10 with a few minutes to go, and, and Auburn scored late to make it look like a closer game and then had the onside kick. But largely, that was a... Those two fourth quarters were far easier for LSU, so it's kind of it's plus the Texas game and and, and yet yeah, no question against Texas they ha- they are battle tested meaning they've been in wars and come out as as the victor. Bama hasn't been through that at all, mm-hmm. but it also means that Bama is destroying people. So yeah. like wh- which one is better? Which one would you rather be going into a game? Um, you know, I think you can make cases for both sides. Like, hey, we're so dominant that we're winning by forty five points a game. Ohio State. Is, is in that world. They haven't really been tested yet. Clemson's, we've seen them go through a battle against North Carolina. They've been tested. And LSU's been tested more than anybody, in part because their schedule is tougher than everybody's. So, but you also were losing in the third quarter. Alabama can't say that, right? Now, the Tennessee game is interesting, right? Because Alabama was in a battle with Tennessee in theory. They had to get a goal line stand to sort of pull away from yeah. Tennessee. Which is I can't believe is a thing I'm saying out loud. Until Jared Garantano decided to grow a yeah, brain, yeah, you know? uh, or or remove his brain, or remove him, put the, it on ice. Yeah, one of the two. Um, <laughs> so, I, listen, I, this is this will be. I think this will be the highest scoring game in in this in this history of the series. I, I think this will be a. Of course, that means it'll probably end up being like eleven to ten. But but you remember CBS decided this past summer to end a six or seven year stretch of having this game in prime time at night. Oh, I they think just, it was like a twelve year stretch. It was, I think it was even longer than that. Maybe. I uh, I, I want to twenty eleven game was in prime right. time. And that, yeah, two thousand ten was a day game. Okay, but twenty eleven was the first night game. I'm wondering if CBS, now CBS can't flex it into night games mm-hmm. because they already used Georgia Notre Dame as their prime time night game. I wonder if they have regrets about that. Because you would love Maybe. to get LSU Bama in prime time. Oh, Maybe. Of course. This year. Yes, but you're also you're, but hindsight's you're, you're two thirty window is pretty pretty salt. It's a pretty good window um for, for college football. Um and you you know it's gonna be dark in the second half. It'll be it'll be nighttime, you know, come around like for the fourth quarter it'll be it'll be dark. And mm-hmm. it, it it always looks better at night. So um yeah, I, I would guess that they probably regret that, but 
who saw LSU's offense coming? Like this? Oh, apparently Derek Mason did. So we, He's yeah. been touting don't Joe Burrow since say, May. Don't say who saw. Uh, I, <laughs> no, no, no. We all thought LSU was going to be good. You did not see Heisman Trophy for the quarterback. What? what, what tell me uh, what, I mean, what the, have I been saying about you Joe said they were going to win? I've been on his island, and I've only said they're going to win because of who? Joe Burrow. Okay. I saw the kid last year. I said this guy is good. I've been on his island along with the rest of the LSU fans. <laughs> We've all been on his island. So. Listen, he had 15 touchdowns, two interceptions last year, and they won 10 games. Everybody thought he was good. No one thought he was going to throw for 500 yards a game. Listen, <laughs> I got it on record. It's on, it's on tape. You, you picked it's LSU to beat Bama. It's on tape. I said, LSU, it, watch it, out for LSU. In July. Because of Joe Burrow. Watch we'll go out back, for LSU. we got to go back to the archives. Yeah, go back to the pick it oh, up. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not knocking what you're saying. You, you, had, you had LSU. You've been on LSU I'm since picking the beginning. Joe Burrow. Hey. I ride with Joe Burrow all the way to the NFL. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> I, I hope the Titans draft. You know, I love you, right? For quarterback, you know, I love you, right? Uh-huh. And I'm, I think I'm pretty objective. I told you uh-huh. I bet the Astros, but I thought the Nationals got screwed. Uh-huh. I'm on record right now. I already put my bet in for LSU plus uh-huh. eight. Okay. But there's a sick, twisted part of me, a very dark, <laughs> sadistic place that I don't go to too often. That uh-huh. actually, I'm actually, I would be okay losing money if it meant Alabama just. Boat races LSU, (laughs) and and I will come in here Monday morning, (laughs) and I will be insufferable. Uh, Well, the problem is, Derek, we've got we'd have to we'd have to deal with Marquise too. Like it's not just one of them; it's two of these knuckleheads. Uh, Quickly, roll tide, Derek, roll tide. (laughs) Hey D, hey D, how about that Joe Burrow cat? Huh? Three interceptions last Uh, night. What do you think about that? How'd he do? Looked like Tannehill with the Dolphins. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Mean spirited. Predators beat the Blackhawks three nothing last night. Uh, Benino with the hat trick. Uh, Pecorine, you know I don't I don't know if he's ever going to lose a game in regulation. The dude is just ridiculous. Seven zero and one this year. Be- best start ever in franchise history for a goaltender. He ties Thomas Vokun in 0-5-0-6, who went seven zero and one. So it's the best start in franchise history by a goaltender. You could argue Yossi and Ellis is the best start in franchise history for a defense pairing as far as scoring goes creating offense oh by the way he signed a 72 plus million dollar contract yesterday congratulations to Roman Yossi uh and that's the most dominant performance I've seen all season from the Preds a start to finish they played with purpose um 50 plus shots almost got to a franchise record in shots I think 55 was the record they didn't quite get there last night um and, and the shot differential was just off in the 30s which is insane almost a franchise record there too so um I thought I thought they played with purpose from the first shift and I think that's that's what you've wanted to see. Ne- what's the next evolution of this team is not trailing in the first and second period all the time and having to come back to win games. It's great mm-hmm. that you can do that, like we just talked about with LSU. But you, you, you want to know that you've got that sort of resiliency, but you also want to dominate first periods and second periods too. So it, good to see them go start to finish complete showing last night. Do you guys, because we were all guessing, you know, for months, is Yossi going to get 9? Is he going to get 9-5? I think we all agreed yesterday we would cut the the limit off at 10 anything above 10 would be maybe a little excessive never in a million years that i think they would get him at 9.059 and whatever it was basically 9 yeah. does does david poyle just bring players in and their agents in and give them like a like a like a pill or a little potion and just hypnotize them and get them to take less i think like in Roman, the, I, think you I think will that take would be, nine. i think, I think this, that would be illegal in this situation um, he knew he couldn't just do that. He knew he just couldn't say, Roman, here's, here's nine. Take it. Well, here's nine it. plus a no movement clause. Yeah, and no that's, movement was, clause what, did that's yeah. what did it. The no movement clause. It's, okay, yes, we gave Duchesne this. We're going to have to give Yossi all of it. 
if we want to keep them. Because yeah. nine, nine is just not going to keep them. Now, nine, and we can never move you, that's going to right. keep them. And that's what they had to do. So, yes, he worked. Yes, I think that was always in his back pocket. Like, if worst comes to worst, I, I can use this no-move clause. Yeah. I think that's probably what was the, you know, sticking point. You know, should I use it? When should I use it? Can I continue to push, 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 push? I can't push no more. They're not going to sign this $9 million deal if I don't give yep. that no-move clause. And he had to take out his back pocket. It's like breaking case of emergency. Yep. Well, he broke it, and he had to give it up. And we know Yossi has said openly, he said it yesterday, he and his family want to be in Nashville yeah. and play for the Predators for the rest of his career. And now Yossi has sort of complete control over that. It's an eight-year guaranteed contract mm-hmm. with a no-movement clause. He's that, here. That doesn't give it to you. Go buy your 59 jerseys, folks, because yeah, he, he, you don't have to worry about him getting moved. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so. Coming up next, hour number three will feature the D Mace dissection. 85 went into the lab last night. He put on his coat. He threw the goggles on. Scalpel is out. We will have the all 22 breakdown. Coming up next. Stay there.